0: Welcome to this week's Bible in the News. This week in the news we have seen a further two countries, Morocco and Bhutan, both normalise relations with Israel, showing that the momentum we've seen over the last few months of Israel's existence being accepted throughout the world is continuing to build. Although Bhutan is not an Arab or Muslim country, it shows that the spirit of acceptance we have seen towards Israel is spreading. Morocco, on the other hand, the other country to have recognised Israel this week, is indeed an Arab and Muslim country, with around 99% of the population being Sunni Muslim. Um, The majorities that we also see in the UAE and also Saudi Arabia. And what we seem to be seeing in the Islamic world is a split between the Sunni and the Shia nations, regarding how they view Israel, with the Shiites, led by Iran, holding on to the policy of standing up with the Palestinians and refusing to have any relations with Israel until a two-state solution agreement is reached, while the Sunni Muslim and Gulf states, led by Saudi Arabia, seem to be moving from this long-held position towards an accepting and even a friendly attitude to Israel. And of course, we've seen peace agreements between Israel and Arab nations before. Firstly, um, Egypt in 1979, and then, of course, Jordan, in 1994, but these peace agreements were very different from the ones we're seeing today. In 1994, Jordan's peace deal was very much associated with the Oslo Accords that had been signed with the Palestinians the year before, when Israel agreed to create a Palestinian state in the West Bank and to also give Jordan a a generous share of the waters of the Jordan River, which of course is a very valuable resource in that region. And again in 1979, Egypt only made peace with Israel because it found that there was no other way that they could get back control of the Sinai, and the loss of which, which had been in, had been enduring humiliation to Egypt since 1967, um, with the Six Day War. They tried to take back control of it in 1973, only to end up with their entire Third Army trapped after Saudi Arabia crossed the Suez Canal. Uh, Egypt President. After the war, um, Egyptian President Sadat realised that the only way he could recover the Sinai was to make peace with Israel and he decided that that was a price worth paying. But making peace with Israel was very unpopular with the general public in Egypt and President Sadat was eventually assassinated in 1981 before the transfer of the Sinai from Israel to Egypt was even complete. But today, in contrast, we see Arab nations making peace with Israel because they want to, because they want to have these relations with Israel. They aren't doing so because it's a price worth paying for something they want. They're doing it for economic, strategic, geopolitical reasons, so that they, so that they can have these trading relations with Israel. They can have military cooperation, um, opposing Iran with Iran's nuclear um, program, which of course is something that Israel and also the Gulf states um, fear. And the first Arab state this year to recognise Israel was, of course, the UAE back in August. And in many ways, it is seen as a test case for Saudi Arabia, um, which is the main power in the Gulf, um, for them to also recognise Israel perhaps in the future. What's what's been so striking about this Israeli-UAE agreement so far is that the citizens of the two countries have in general um, embraced the decisions of their respective governments. Um, very much in contrast to what happened in 1979 in Egypt and in 1994 in Jordan, where the relations really only went from being actively hostile um, to, at best, being cold. Israelis have been flocking to Dubai, and the UAE citizens, the Emiratis, have been filling the cafes and shops in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Israel and the UAE have agreed to grant visa-free travel to each of the citizens, And there are now around eight daily direct flights between Dubai and Tel Aviv. And airlines have had to add extra flights on to meet the demand. UAE Airline Fly Dubai is now operating and filling no less than four direct flights between the two cities every day. And this is during a global pandemic. In contrast, there are no daily direct flights at the moment between Tel Aviv and Cairo the capital of a country that they signed a peace agreement with over 40 years ago, neither are there any flights between Tel Aviv and Amman on a regular daily basis. And with Amman and Jordan, there's been a peace deal with Israel for over 25 years. The agreement with the UAE is clearly a very different peace agreement to those that we have seen previously. The tourists from the, UA, from the UAE who have been visiting Israel have in some cases had a mixed welcome in Israel, because although they've had a warm welcome from the Israelis, the Palestinians are looking on the normalisation movement in horror. A group of Emirati businessmen visiting Tel Aviv took the opportunity to visit the Temple Mount and the Al-Aqsa Mosque, only to be met with a Palestinian protest shouting insults at them. Surely incidents like this will only push the UAE more and more to Israel's side. The business communities in the two countries have also responded positively to the normalisation and have been holding conferences to boost trade between the two countries. Having access to Dubai, which is already an established trade hub for for the greater Middle East and beyond, will open up Israeli business to many new markets, especially their tech businesses. And this, of course, will be a real boost to the Israeli and the UAE economies. But why, then, does all this matter? Well, turn over with me to Ezekiel chapter 38, because here we have a snapshot of the politics of the time leading up to the Battle of Armageddon, which is when Christ's return. So Ezekiel 38, and we'll start at verse 8. We read that, After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword, and gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, but is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And of course, we've already seen Israel gathered out of many people that happened um, many, many years ago now. But we haven't seen them dwell safely. Verse nine, we read that thou, that's God, shall ascend and come like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall come to pass, that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them having dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates. And so again we see, and we're told that Israel will be at peace at that time. And verse 12 we're told, um, that the Gogian host will go to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand again, um, upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten g- t- cattle and goods, and dwell in the midst of the land. And so we see they've gotten cattle and goods, so they're at peace, and they're also wealthy. Verse 13, we read that Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish, and all the young lions thereof, Shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith the Lord God, In that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? And so the challenge is here, When Israel dwell safely, shalt thou not know it? Do we know these things? Because come down to verse 18. Because we read here. It shall come to pass at the same time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. And so what we seem to be seeing is the beginning of the Muslim world in general accepting Israel with the notable exception of Iran, which is one of the only nations in the Middle East that is listed as coming against Israel with Gog. Because verse 4 we read, And I will turn with thee back, that's Gog, and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armour, even a great company, with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, that's of course the old name for Iran, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. So Persia is with this Gogian host. So this division we see among the Muslim states, where the majority of them start to accept Israel, but Iran continues to stand against Israel, is a situation that was prophesied back in the time of Ezekiel. We see that when Gog comes down against Israel, Iran, or Persia, is listed as coming against them, while most of the Middle East is not listed. Sheba and Dedan, which we saw was mentioned in verse thirteen, who likely refer to the Gulf states such and and Saudi Arabia, are clearly standing by the invasion and are not involved. They are no longer the enemies of Israel. Now, alongside them, of course, we read of Tarshish, which, if you listen regularly to the Bible in the news, you'll know refers to Britain. And this week, of course, we have continued to see the negotiations for Britain leaving the EU. Britain too is separating herself from the nations that we know will come against Israel at the time of the end. And all these things show us that we are moving quickly to this situation described in Ezekiel 38, meaning that we cannot be far from the time of Christ's return. This has been Paul Barnes joining you for this week's edition of The Bible in the News. Join us again next week for another edition.